Praise the Lord. Just take a wee minute to pray, okay, for us. Father, we thank you for today. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. There is one day in the courts of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. Amen. And Father, we thank you for folks who have came to this place today because of you, Jesus. They've been drawn by your love. And we just acknowledge that today. We pray you'll encourage us in Jesus' name. We pray that your voice, Father, will speak to us, not a man's voice. We pray that your word, we know it is your word that's inspired and as we need it today, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll open our spiritual eyes to see you, to hear your word, to have a living and very real refreshing encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour, standing at the right hand of Father God today. Give us a fresh vision, a refreshing vision of our Saviour today so that we carry that light in us even more brightly to this world to tell them about you, Lord. We pray that you will commission us today. You have appointed us as people to herald the good news of Jesus Christ. So we commend this New Beginnings Church to you, Father, your people, the sheep in your pasture in this field here, in this harvest field called Murraysburg and the surrounding areas where we live. We pray in Jesus' name for an empowerment today of the Holy Spirit and we believe there is a commanded blessing that comes to those who really love Jesus and who welcome God, you, your Holy Spirit into their lives. It's a transforming thing and we're praying today that you will fan into flame all of the gifts that you have for all of the people, not just a few, all of the gifts for all of the people. And we thank you, Father, that's also scriptural according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that gifts are to be distributed and given and the greatest gift is salvation. And then it follows with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then it follows with more gifts. And more blessings and more empowerments. So the unschooled ordinary people can stand in extraordinary power of God. And speak words they could not speak in their own strength. With a power they did not have. Save the new Jesus. Father, I'm praying for this New Testament type anointing of your Holy Spirit to fall afresh on New Beginnings Church. We have prayed, Father, for this harvest field, some of us for many years, and we're praying in these days, you might help us to be equipped with power, full of your Holy Spirit, so that we're effective witnesses, and so that we see the kingdom of darkness pushed back, life set free, Everybody finding Jesus. Everybody talking about Jesus. So that's what I pray today. I also pray I'll bless the children through next door and in the hall here. We thank you for kids and we pray for protection on our families, Lord. We pray for our family members that would concern us at this time. Those who seem like prodigals, those sons and daughters who are not wanting to walk with you at this time. We particularly bring those to you, Father. And we know this is the most important part of our gathering, praying to you. It's most important. It's of utmost importance. So we pray, Father, for a drawing to Jesus in our families. It's as simple as that, and it's as deep and profound as that. Because when they have an encounter with Jesus, 
they see a light of the glory of God in the face of Christ that stops them in their tracks. And just like we're going to hear in the passage today, I pray you'll give us more faith, Father, to believe for our family members, for ourselves, for our community, that God, you are willing and you are able to turn around any and every life here today. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn for the wicked ways, I will be saved. Amen? I'll heal the land. That's what we're praying for, Father, for harvest hands to be sent out into this harvest field. Thank you for everybody that's here. I pray they'll know your hand on them, Lord, that they are commissioned today. Everybody, I want you just to acknowledge that before the Lord today. We feel sometimes like we're a failure, don't we? But in prayer now, we declare, because of Jesus, my life is changed. If you know Jesus, your life is changed. Because of Jesus, God's Spirit dwells within me and changes my life. I am a new creature. The old has gone, the new has come. And no matter how bad we think we did yesterday or today, we pray, Father, forgive us our sins as we release forgiveness to other people. And we are recommissioned daily to go and to be his witnesses. And that's a joyous thing. And I pray that the joy of the Lord and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would come very deep in everybody's lives here, myself included, that we might know your presence. We know it's you that's speaking to us. And we just continue in that. And we don't move away from what you're saying to us. Connect and adjust anything in us, Father, that needs adjusted. We all need things adjusted. We need opinions adjusted. We need different things in our hearts adjusted to make us a bit more like Jesus every day. And we pray you'll do that, Father, by the power of your Spirit. And I just simply, as a servant here, just ask you to fill me that people don't hear me, that they just hear your words. And that you speak really, really clearly. Your sheep know your voice when they hear it. In Jesus' name we pray. And we, we just acknowledge, Father, the need for cleansing and forgiveness daily. So we pray that you would do that to us. Forgive us. Give us that freshness of cleansing, cleansing as we confess our sins afresh to you today <coughs> and know your love expressed through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I hope you experience that deep-seated joy. It's good when I look around the room today and don't be under any pressure. If you hadn't, accepted Jesus that's that's okay it's your time but I'm looking around today and I see lots of people who I know love Jesus correct yeah and you know what it's like when you love him and you know what it's like when he's forgiven you there's a huge change who could testify to that just looking around the room right when when the minute you get it yeah I see Stephen you're saying and it's important to acknowledge that because there's a difference between knowing in your head that Jesus came and died for our sins to actually he died for me and actually, I'm a sinner. And my eyes have now been opened. There's an eye-opening experience that happens where it becomes, it's not just head knowledge, but it goes deep into your heart. And when you've had that in your life, most people could pinpoint the moment and the day that that happened. If you can't, that's okay, as long as you love them. <laughs> and you've had the experience. But it's such a significant experience that most people could write the day and the time and remember the time when they bowed the knee and said, I confess Jesus as my Lord. There was a time that 
God stopped us in our tracks. We're going along life, whatever age we are. And suddenly, we have this encounter with Jesus. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 9 today. And it's probably a familiar passage, although not just assuming that. And it's about Saul, a Jewish man and part of the leadership commissioned to go and persecute the church of Jesus Christ in the early days. His name is Saul, a well-learned man, a man who thought he was very religious, obeyed all the religious and Pharisees' uh, additional rules and regulations, thought he was living a good life, but actually was coming against the true church of God, the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus had died, was buried, paid the price for our sins, was raised again on the third day. We've just been thinking that at Easter, haven't we? Reminding ourselves again of the good news of that. He had appeared to his disciples in many ways at different times and told them, show them he was alive. Yeah. Remember talk, talk, uh, doubting uh, Thomas as well. I'll not believe unless I see the, the pierced hands. So Jesus even went an extra step to have a personal encounter with him. Isn't that lovely? That God goes out of his way to have a personal encounter with us. We should really give God thanks for that. And, and Jesus also prayed as he was about to be taken back up to the Father again, he prayed for us that blessed are, are we who have not seen him, who've not seen Jesus, because he's raised, he's at the right hand of the Father, he's not walking this earth right now. He is, the Holy Spirit has been sent, right? Well, we've not got the blessing of being there in those days of ministry directly with the face of Jesus in front of us. But the scripture tells us, you're mightily blessed, folks, if somehow, although you've not seen him, you've not seen the, this Jesus, but you believe in him. Isn't that wonderful? And the best evidence that this message is true, and I've said this before, but I think it's important to be confident about this. The best evidence that the message about Jesus is transformational, that God is real, that he really does cha change lives and forgive sins, and he really does have a Holy Spirit that he puts inside us. The best evidence is you, a changed life. Somebody who can actually say, my life is completely different now. This is what's going to happen to Saul. Saul's about to have an encounter with Jesus, but before he has an encounter, there's other people went before him that had an encounter first. And I want to rewind. I encourage you in the church here to read your Bible daily. That's not a that's not a me trying to put a weight of burden on you. <laughs> oh, I didn't read my Bible today. But it's amazing how few of us sometimes read the Bible. And we just expect somehow to live on a message from Sunday to Sunday, right? not meant to be like that we've been blessed with the book and it's all here and if you rewind a wee bit um there was a man in uh, riverside the gospel hall in kirky his name was john brown and one of the things he used to always say was never take verses out of context read the book all of it not just the book you're in go back the chapters go forward the chapters and read the rest of it so how do we know the answers to things if we don't read it god show me the way to live but i'm not reading the book God, show me how I should live my life, but I'm not reading the book. Show me what your plans are for me, but I'm not reading the book. So that's the first thing you do as a Christian, isn't it? I, I, um, Linda, Linda Ringrose, who recently became a Christian, she won't mind me sharing this, but I'm just sharing it to encourage you. She said she, she experienced Jesus as a personal saviour a couple of months ago. She's experienced a complete change inside her heart to the point where she's thinking differently. She's acting differently and she notices such a radical difference in her life. 
And I was sitting in tears talking to Linda. And I told her she saw me. <laughs> and I was thinking, this is marvellous because I am watching a miracle. I am watching a transformed life right in front of me. Isn't this wonderful? And do you know what the next thing she said to me was? But Graham, I don't know the Bible because I've never been in church. I've never read it. And everybody might think I know, but I don't know anything, right? We need a Bible study. So we started Alpha. It was one of the reasons we started Alpha. And praise God, that's helping people, right? And these services here help you. But you also pick up the book yourself. You need it. And as a Christian, God illuminates that to you. So I'm just giving you a wee encouragement. Just make sure you're reading. Make sure you're reading the stories about Jesus and the Gospels. Make sure you're reading the Acts of the Apostles and you're reading the letters to the churches. You know? Because they're very specific things that God will unlock to you. So if we rewind, and I will accelerate, I'm not going <laughs> to take a whole line-by-line line exegesis, if anyone knows that term. <laughs> Why am I saying exegesis? Uh, a line-by-line line expository preaching. Uh, but one, one thing a friend of mine uh, said to me one time, we shouldn't be reading the Bible to prepare sermons. You know, sometimes people might just read the Bible and they're preparing a sermon. That's not what should be happening. We should be reading the Bible every day. And then out of that reading of the Bible and out of the illumination of the Holy Spirit, message the Lord might impress a message on you for a moment in time. Isn't that true? Okay? I'm just encouraging you to do the same. So, rewinding a wee bit. There was an ordinary man called Stephen. Stephen. <laughs> and in Acts 6, it says this. You could turn to I'm not going to put all those verses on screen. There was too many. Acts 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together, they gathered the whole group, and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So they've got a practical issue here of feeding the widows and the disciples themselves are prioritising, guess what, teaching the word and making sure the new Christians understand the word so that they're equipped to go and tell others, right? And notice it says all the disciples, it's everybody, right? Not just the 12. So they, but they've got a, a very important ministry to happen where they, they need to wait on tables and, and help those who are widowed in the daily distribution of food. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. Again, just want to notice there that they're choosing people and they're focusing on those who have had a transformational experience of Jesus and those who have experienced the empowering and the changing of the Holy Spirit for this practical but important spiritual ministry that's coming there. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and then it names others. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, uh, verse 8, a man full of God's grace and power performed great wonders and signs among the people. Ordinary man. Full of God's grace and power, a transformed life. The power of the Holy Spirit operating in this man. Signs and wonders even happening. doesn't tell us what they are, but things that couldn't be done unless the Lord Jesus was operating in his life. And then opposition arose, verse 9, from the 
synagogue. So this is coming from, it's important to understand the context, the Jews. This is, there were Jews who believed in Jesus and there were Jews who absolutely did not. In fact, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And they were actually commanding his death on the cross at Calvary. Isn't that true? It's important to realize that this is God coming to his own people by his son. And some of the Jews accepted him, but lots of them didn't. And the ones that didn't were coming aggressively, dangerously against this new church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus had already warned his disciples that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And it was actually by those who thought they were religious and those who thought they knew God, ironically, that were coming against the one true God. Isn't that so sad, isn't it? So sad. But that's the situation. So Stephen is not just preaching in an easy environment. He's preaching and he knows his life's at risk. He knows he's in threat. He could be killed. So what is it that's changed in Stephen's life? He found Jesus, didn't he? An ordinary man. And this is what I want to really encourage you with today. You think I'm an ordinary man, an ordinary woman. No, you're not. You're a beloved whom Christ loves. You're a precious child. Aren't you? And when you have that realisation, that's when you encounter the true God. Because God so loved you. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. I just want that to sink down deep. Because sometimes I think we need to be healed of a few things before we can help other people, don't we? I was talking to my brother Alan McBride. A lot of you know Alan. He said to me, how can we lead people into the things of God if we've not been healed first ourselves? It's true, isn't it? You can only lead someone when something's happened to you. But it's, don't worry about doing that because it's all to do with God. My friend Alan Gibson, when he was about to give his heart to the Lord in Kirk and Tillich at mum and dad's house, said, Graham, I believe everything's true. I believe in God now. I believe in Jesus. But there's one problem. I can't do this thing. I'm not going to be good enough. And I said to him, I can tell you according to the word of God, that's okay, Alan, because you don't need to do it. The Lord will do it for you. The Lord saves you by his grace, not by your works. Ephesians 2, right? It's not by works you enter the kingdom, it's by faith. It's by faith, it's trusting in Christ. It's a transformational work and it's a gift. It's a gift. You don't earn your salvation, you receive it. I'm telling you the things that you might know, but I'm, I'm wondering sometimes if we get caught in a wee cycle of that. But we're not really receiving all the blessing that God has for us. Because we become a Christian and we think, well, I've made a lot of mistakes and I'm having to work myself forward. No, you don't. You need to go back to the cross and realize you're a sinner saved by grace and stand up and pray and confess Jesus as Savior, confess your sins and walk on again, right? Don't give up. How many of us have given up as Christians sometimes because we think we're not good enough? Anybody? Let's be honest. I felt like that, I'm sure you have. But that's not God speaking to us because he wants to show his grace. Anyway, my point is, God wants to use us in a similar way. You might not see yourself in, the, in these passages, but I'm encouraging you to believe for God to use you just like he was using people like Stephen 
this Holy Spirit, transformation in your life is available to all who believe in Jesus. But there will be opposition. And there's opposition today. And there's nothing new under the sun. It was the same then. So they took him into Sanhedrin. They seized Stephen, verse 12, and brought him before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leadership. They produced false witnesses, so completely corrupt court, completely corrupt thing that's happening, completely wrong. This fellow never stopped speaking against the, this holy place and against the law, for we heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs, etc. Then Stephen got up, and I can encourage you to read this in your own time, he preached full of the Holy Spirit, and he went back to the Old Testament, and he told them about the mighty men of God, and the way that God used them, and all the way up to Jesus, and he reaffirmed the message of Jesus. So these people were, uh, if you go to Acts 7, verse 54, the people got furious as Stephen was preaching. God's word to them powerfully full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 54, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul we're going to be talking about just shortly. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of their killing him. And the church then, uh, on that day, great persecution broke out. The church was uh, against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered except the apostles throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. So this man's relentless, right? He's not going to stop. He's on a road to destroy this church. He's on a road of destruction, right? the church of Jesus Christ going from house to house he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison but those who had been scattered guess what they did did they run and hide no they preached the word wherever they went so we say today we live in a society where church is not central Jesus is not central that's all true isn't it we live in a society today that's not tolerant of the things of the book they don't want to hear this message about Jesus. I can believe what I want to believe. But we still have to preach in God's power. We've not to hold back with the message. They were under severe persecution here and we've just seen <coughs> Stephen stoned and killed. And the church scattered. So I just wanted that to sink in a wee bit and just for us to think about the, the context. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on, on Saul. But I want you to see just a few Principles. Principle number one, persecution is not a new thing for the church of Jesus Christ. So therefore, don't be discouraged when you see opposition to the church in Scotland today or in your own neighborhood. This is a cycle. And Jesus told his disciples that cycle would exist. 
Sometimes we can be discouraged from speaking just because we feel as if there's persecution. We shouldn't be doing that. Do you agree with me? So it's important to be bold, but then how do we get that boldness? It leads to principle number one, there will be trouble, there is persecution. Principle number two, pray about it. Ask God. Don't just go out in your own strength because it will not work. Amen? Who's tried doing things, even well-intentioned things, and sometimes you just hit a wall and it doesn't go well and then you realise, do you know what? I didn't pray about that thing at my work. I didn't pray and it hasn't went well. Oh, right, maybe I should have prayed. Something went wrong in the family or something you're trying to do and you just, something triggers in you. Do you know what? I didn't pray about that. I've had experiences, have you had experiences like that? When you just realise, I haven't really committed that to prayer. I've just tried in my own effort and it's failing. Right? So there's a principle of daily prayer. Not a ritual of daily prayer. Jesus prayed daily to his Father. How much more do we need to? And Jesus modelled what a prayer should look like and it's on the wall outside. This then is how you should pray every day. Our Father in heaven, you know it, right? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come today. Today. Your will be done. In my life today. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Supply is what we need, Lord. And forgive us our, our, our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So that acknowledgement that we are not living a perfect life in many ways and we still can sin as Christians and when we do sin, we have a daily acknowledgement of that sin and we ask for forgiveness and Jesus showed us that model. Jesus did not sin. That's why he's our saviour. The perfect lamb, unblemished lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Perfect life. But he gave us this prayer us forgive us our debts as we forgive have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for if you forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive your sins so I'm just saying some principles here so the first one was persecution is a cycle for believers in Jesus in fact often it will increase the minute you do speak about Jesus, don't be surprised if you get opposition. But it's important to then, principle number two, be in prayer every day and ensuring that you're asking for God's power to accomplish his work. Because you cannot and you should not move without God. Okay. Three. And he's given us a model of prayer. So you can see some of the principles there that I've just mentioned of Jesus' teaching in Stephen. So Stephen prayed for those who were persecuting him while he was being stoned to death. Just let that sink in a wee minute. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? That shows you that this man's life was completely transformed, an ordinary man. But he had so much of God in him, full of the Holy Spirit, that even while he was being stoned to death, he was able to pray as he had a vision of heaven and God blessed him in that. And that just shows you as well that see, when you come under attack, God will give you heavenly visions. God will help you in your time of need. Even as in this case, maybe in this life, his life was coming to an end on the earth, but he was going to heaven. And 
and God gave Stephen a gracious vision of where he was going. Isn't that lovely? And I believe that. If God, if, if your life in this earth is coming to an end and you're following Jesus, God will graciously give you a vision. I'm just going to mention briefly, and I don't want Nicola to get upset, but, uh, but her granddad, we obviously miss her granddad, but we know he's in heaven. And one time we were called up just before he died, and we thought he was passing away. He was passing away, actually. And we hadn't had access to the care home, but Bill had known Jesus since his teenage years, and he was 90. <laughs> and um, knew Jesus. He had God's Holy Spirit. He sang songs all his, all his days for Jesus. He had a peace in his heart. It was real. But you know, when you're coming to the end of life, there's other things that can cloud that. But we're praying for him. And went in, and there's, you know, he was in a really bad way. I prayed for him. They let me in, which was a miracle anyway, because we were, I wasn't allowed in. Put my hand on his head, prayed for him. And he came back. But as, as, as I'd walked in, he was just going, glory, glory. It was as if he was having some kind of vision. But then he explained it to me. He came back. And within about half an hour, he's up and he's eating soup. And I am not exaggerating. He was at his desk door. And the, the experienced nurses who know these things saw the stage he was at. And they were amazed, right, by his recovery. Absolutely, it was a miracle. And he came back and he turned, uh, he turned to me and he said, uh, Son, I saw it. I saw heaven. Son, I saw it. I can't remember. I've not written down exactly what he said to me. He said, I was on the ladder and I could see heaven. And I could see the glory. And do you know what that did for us as a family? That blessed us, didn't it, Nicola? Because that's how you know this is true. That's how you know this is true. When somebody, even at the most difficult death door situation, just like in Stephen's life, God did that with Bill Russell. And showed him a heavenly vision to encourage him, but also to encourage us that this is true, all of it. Isn't that great? It was brilliant. It was sad. And he has now passed away, as you know, in the church here shortly after. But that wee gracious time was a blessing for us. It, it, he, he actually had a, a piece about him after that. And again, I'm not trying to upset people. But I think sometimes you have to share these things, right? I'm trying to show you this is real, okay, today. There was a piece about Bill after that that was different. He was ready to go. And he was. there was a piece about us in some way, although... It was hard. That vision was an encouragement to us as a family, wasn't it? And we t told the kids and we told other people about it. And, you know, God is so good, you know. Doesn't ever let us down. So as let his, him, him down. But he doesn't let you go if you know Jesus. This is wonderful. Through sickness. And even at the end of life. So even as Stephen was being stoned and he had had this heavenly vision to encourage him and to testify to others that this is all real, what he's saying. God is alive. Jesus is alive. Heaven is a real place. And he graciously, by God's spirit, first of all, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Somebody said to me, you know, when a believer dies, it's just her spirit leaves. And of course, we're present with the Lord. But you know, I, I've seen that in people. 
And again, I don't want to depress anybody, and I'm not intending to do that. But it's actually a gracious thing when you see the beauty of just someone who's a believer going to be with the Lord. And it's a difficult thing. But you can see that it's real. You can tell that their spirit has left and they've they went to heaven. Okay. And in case we didn't believe it, he gave us a vision first. In our situation, yeah. So Lord, receive my spirit. Our life goes on forever. In our spirits, there's two destinations, heaven or hell. And Jesus came so that we can go to heaven. Forgiven. And he applied the principle, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And guess what? When he had said this, he fell asleep. Last. To heaven. And Saul approved of their killing him. So I just want you to see, and I will... I will be quick, I promise now, <laughs> um, regarding Saul. But this is the way in which you and I can live in such a way, like Bill Russell, ordinary man, believing in Jesus, having God's spirit in your life, and testifying about him, and God works miracles through your life. Do you believe that? It's available for us all. But he prayed. And he applied the principle of the Lord's Prayer for those who were sinning against them. Don't hold the sin against them. And that included Saul. So I'll just quickly move in into how very quickly, if I can click that on, sorry. Okay, that's fine. And I'm just going to read this through just with a couple of comments. But hopefully you're encouraged today because you think about people that are against Jesus in our own community, in your own family. <coughs> Pray about them like the believers did. Pray about them like Stephen did, even when everything's coming against you. And watch what God does in answer to your prayer. <coughs> Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he found any he found there who belonged to the way, that's the Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. So you're praying for somebody. And that happens. Wonderful, isn't it? This is a miracle working God. Even without, there was no preacher or person there. He had a direct encounter with Jesus. I was listening to a testimony of people in, a few people in Africa who had a direct vision of Jesus and who there was no, nobody preaching about Jesus to them, but they had an encounter and Jesus spoke to them. Do you believe that kind of thing can happen? I do. Yes, there are non-authentic times when sometimes the stories are not true, but I believe that those things happen. God finds a way to reach people. So he hears the voice. He doesn't know Jesus. He hasn't had this encounter. And now he's, he's uh, the men traveling with uh, Saul, verse 7, stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see anything. He was blinded. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. 
In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, another disciple, just, I guess, like you could say, like you and I, in a different place, called Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. So Saul had moved from persecuting to praying. You notice that? So he meets Jesus, then he goes, oh, I'm blinded now. I've just encountered what's going on. And he's praying. And there's that principle. And God's working through the prayer he's hearing now from this man, Saul, in Tarsus. And God goes and, <laughs> and, and speaks to a believer named Ananias and gives him some very specific instructions. Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man, verse 13, and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem, and he has come here with the authority for the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name and to the people of Israel. Uh, sorry, uh, suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Just very quickly there. God is sending you. We spoke a couple of weeks ago about the prayer for the harvest field here and in your own area. And Jesus said, pray for harvest hands. Then he said, I'm sending you. And that's for us today, okay? So sometimes these things don't happen in a church meeting. Often they don't. You encounter somebody. Ananias is sent out to one man. He didn't want to go because he was the man persecuting the church and he heard about him. But there's a wee principle here. Pray to God. Listen. God will provide some nudges and directions. Have you ever had a wee nudge to do something? I have. If you pray and you ask God, often what will happen is you'll bring somebody to your mind. I've had people come to my mind and I know of to go and see them or make contact with them. And it ha usually happens through prayer. We know we have to do these things, but I'm talking about when you're in prayer. right? Anyone experienced that? So pray, listen, obey. And I and I was, I and I was saying, this is a really bad idea. <laughs> Surely you're not going to use this man. But he was obedient and he went. And Paul, not only get healed, he got saved. Salvation in Jesus, baptized, that would be water baptism. He then took some food and he regained his strength. Isn't that wonderful? I don't even need to give you any explanation. More than that, because it's very clear from the passage, a wonderful miracle of salvation, but God used an ordinary man who was praying and listening in Ananias to go and speak. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. So he's now understanding about Jesus as Saviour and he's speaking about it himself. He's preaching powerfully. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem amongst those who call on this name. And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus. 
by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. So as we pray today and God starts to transform lives like he did with Saul, it went from persecution to peace. Did you notice that? Just for a time. It doesn't mean it's not coming back. But the church prayed and believed and went and were obedient. God used it in power. Saul gets saved. Becomes Paul. Gets commissioned to preach. And then, blessing. <laughs> they enjoyed a time of peace and were strengthened. They were encouraged by the Holy Spirit and they increased in numbers of those who were getting saved. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. So let's not get our instructions from the BBC News, okay? Right? Let's get it from the good news. And, you know, transformation, I do believe in transformation to happen for this community. And I'm just finishing now. And thank you for your patience. But I just want to be obedient to what I feel to say. Um, and as we just close now, what did Paul say after his life was transformed? He said a number of things, and I encourage you to read again for yourself into the letters. But one of the letters to uh, a younger man of God, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, he said, Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength and considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. That's what I'm saying to you, right? Grace, unmerited favour, didn't deserve it, just like any of us. Along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, transformed his life. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. The light that stops us in our tracks. So you're praying for a prodigal, trust God. If you're praying for a husband or wife that doesn't know Jesus, trust God and pray. If you're praying for the unknown people that you're going to encounter in your work and in the community, pray. And ask God for this kind of help. And who knows what God's going to do when you start to pray specifically for people that you encounter. And it's exciting stuff, isn't it? And what a vision, what a clear vision he now had, this man Paul. So the light of Christ shining today through his believers. What should we do? Pray. Daily in the Lord's Prayer gives us a good guidance model. And there's lots of other prayers associated with that that you can pray in the Bible as well. Prayers that Paul has written to the churches, etc. It's good to read those things and to see the guidance we've been given in prayer. But then listen, because the Lord will give you specific instructions already outlined in detail in the book, in the Bible. And for you to, again, to my point, if we don't read it, we don't know what to do. Don't know what he said. And then we have a choice to make. Are we going to obey and step out and do the things he's asking us to do? And when we do get a nudge to go and do something, when we have a choice to walk past somebody or speak to them, what are we going to do? 
And are we going to have the faith to trust that we're speaking and sharing about Jesus? Because Jesus said, go, I'm sending you out. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this fellowship. I just pray you really help us, Lord, just to know what you're saying to us today, Father. Father, it's just really important that we understand and listen to your word and that we pray. And I'm praying for everybody here, Father. I pray, first of all, that they'll be really encouraged in the Lord. I pray that you will know the joy of the Lord being your strength. I pray that you'll know God's grace, that unmerited favour is sufficient for you in your weakness. Every day when you surrender to him. I pray that the love of Christ might flow in your lives and in all of our lives and might help us to overflow that love to other people. Father, we pray that the love of Christ will be so strong in all of us and I encourage you to see as I'm praying, would you just maybe just agree with me? It is scriptural what I'm praying. But if you pray, God, would you shed abroad your love in my heart? Would, you, would your love bring healing to my heart so that I can then show love to those, even those who are, have hurt me? If there's those that come to mind that have hurt you, have wounded you, I encourage you to bring that to the Lord now and pray, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Don't hold this sin against them. That's how you know you've really forgiven someone, by the way. It's not important to say, it's not excusing what's happened. It's not saying that we should allow people to hurt us and continue to hurt us when they can be avoided. And it's not saying what they did was right. But we are being asked not to hold that grudge in our heart. We're being told to release forgiveness to them, even though what they did was wrong and terrible. And Stephen showed in that passage that even while he's been stoned, he knew he was a sinner saved by grace and the people stoning him were sinners and needed a saviour. And he was willing to be obedient to God, to pray, forgive them, Lord. And I just encourage you to do that because that can be a real block to us when we don't forgive. And we don't release some of those hurts and pains from the past. So I just encourage you to bring those names of people and just ask, just to, just ask God to help you with that and release what they did to you to the Lord. And I just encourage you in your own time, if there's specific names or individuals that you're struggling with that have caused you pain in your own private time, pray through the Lord's Prayer and just as much as you're able to with God's strength, just release that, that forgiveness. Not excusing what they did, but just being obedient to Jesus because that's what he did for us. He said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they're doing. That was to us. And he expects us to do the same. So Father, I just pray for healing in that. I pray for help with that, Father. Because when we really get a grip of that point there, we're able to operate in your power more strongly when we're able to release people for what they've done to us. R.T. Kendall wrote a book called Total Forgiveness and said that the greatest victory he experienced as a Christian was when he learned even the most terrible thing that had happened to one of his family members, he was able to express a release of forgiveness towards the person that had done it. Not excusing what happened just been able to release forgiveness and RT found that God's power was much more effectively working in his life since that time. 
and if he's been able to maintain that. So I'm just sharing that for a help, okay? In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. Okay, just sing that song in closing. Tea and coffee will be available afterwards. Just sing, change.